Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You're running so fast. This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the Internet or from some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this happy Thanksgiving episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, I have... My partner in crime, if you will, and my partner on Bloody Angola, the podcast, uh, in the studio with me, Jim. How are you, Woody Everton? Excited to uh, 
to be on Real Life Real Crimes feed. Love it, right? You, you <laughs> produce it every time anyway. But uh, y'all, so it's Jim Chapman, right? And, and the owner of Vision Podcast Studios and everything. As y'all know, he's uh, our producer for Real Life Real Crime. And we want to do a little something different this week because we know everybody's traveling and doing all that stuff. But we have another podcast called Bloody Angola. A podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And y'all will hear, if you listen to Bloody Angola, you'll hear that's how we open each episode. So we had an idea this week on, for, on Bloody Angola. We're going to drop a, an older Real Life Real Crime episode. And for on Real Life Real Crime, we're going to drop one of our favorite Bloody Angola episodes. So you get to introduce both markets, uh, or both sections of our listeners to each show. And we hope you go in and you enjoy it. Uh, um and it's just Thanksgiving time, right? That's right. And uh, every, you know, what could be better, Woody, than basting that turkey or frying that turkey, frying that Peanut turkey, oil. or got to inject uh, it too. Yeah, smoking that hog, yes, whatever indeed. you're doing on Thanksgiving, right. even if you're eating pizza, on you, even if you're driving to grandma's house, you go, <laughs> over the hills you go, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it couldn't be anything better than listening to true crime podcasting at its best, and so uh, we're kind of flip flopping each other's shows. Yeah, yeah. But so this show, y'all, we're going to release Bloody Angola. It will release the first episode of the Brent Miller series. And y'all, this, this one's tough, but it's it's all true, historically correct. And um, for us to do the story about Brent Miller, who's someone I've heard about since I was a little boy. My mama has a personal connection. She was his teacher. And, you know, the firing range now in Angola is named for him and everything else. But I heard about him my whole life. But for us to get to do the bloody Angola series, if you will, on Brent Miller, for me, it was priceless. Yeah, me too. And uh, like what he said, very hard episode to listen to at times, but uh, in one of my favorites ever that we've recorded today. I, I, I think it's one of the most important, certainly. And yeah. uh, the one thing you get on bloody Angola, everything is different. You got a lot of the, uh, the hard stories like this, but then you know, some of the first ones we opened up with, like the walls and the Hill Street Gang, are more historical. But it's all correct, and a lot of stuff I didn't even know, right? Yeah. And and I worked at Angola, right? yeah. um, but we want y'all to hear this story and to hear Bloody Angola the podcast because if you like real life, real crime, you're gonna love Bloody Angola, hundred percent. And the so Brent Miller. I'm not going to give you all the details on it. We just want y'all to listen to it. Um, and we want, for us, it was about remembering Brent Miller. That's right. And, and, and not the pieces of shit that did what they did that that became famous later on. Agreed. Right. <laughs> and I would tell you this, I'll give a little tease. When you, you listen to this, you're going to love it. On Real Life for Crime, when you hear that last episode, wait till you hear what happened the day we dropped the first episode. When we can't, I can't even tell you what happened. You just go listen to it. Somebody became infamous or very famous, if you will. Actually, something happened to the last one of those guys that day that we dropped it. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't either. There are no coincidences, according yeah. to Woody Edwards. That's true. Especially <laughs> not in a criminal case. Yeah. Without further ado, other than we want to say 
happy happy Thanksgiving. Yes. To, to you and everyone you love. And and uh, we're so thankful for y'all. And I'm so thankful for all you lifers. Um, so thankful for everything that you've given me and blessed me with. In bloody Angola, same way. I, I, I'm certain a certain percentage of y'all are do you listen to bloody Angola. We want to say thank you too. Yeah, thank you very much. We we are two guys here that are blessed way more than Whoa, we deserve. Every second of every day, every day. And Patreon convicts, it, of course, you'll get it uh, commercial free and early. And Chase team members, of which are y'all that for your lifers that haven't listened to bloody Angola chase team members are our subscribers uh, like Patreon and convicts and yep. real life for crime. So you'll get real life for crime episode. We're going to drop yep. for y'all on bloody Angola. So we're just swapping it out. Thankful. Bless me on measure. Hope you enjoy it. Love and appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Woody, for having me on Real Life Real Crime to introduce this episode. Thank you for producing the, the <laughs> this year four four time award winning Yes. Year, right? Just yes. Uh, just this year. So but uh, thank you. But thank all of y'all. And hey, go subscribe to Bloody Angola. If you like this episode, then you're gonna love it. Go subscribe to it, share it everywhere. Um, these stories that we tell, this they're not always hard like this. There's some redemption stories, there's some uh, different stories about the the prison that you just you know describing things everything from rules to the layout of the prison to whatever the history everything else so just share it in uh, with everybody that you know if they they like real life real crime you're gonna love bloody Angola yes all right so that's it and here comes your Thanksgiving episode of bloody Angola. On Real Life Real Crime. Brent Miller and the Angola Five Part One. One, baby. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. This is the story of America's bloodiest prison, told by the people who lived it, both inside and outside its gates. The brutal history as you've never heard it before, from its origin as a slave plantation to its gradual growth as the bloodiest maximum security prison in America. To those outside its gates, it's known as Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. But to those who have spent time inside its gates, it's known as Bloody Angola. Come with us as we take you through the gates and give you a first-hand look at not only the stories of the stabbings, rapes, executions, escapes, and murders you won't find on any TV show or the internet, but also the murders, abductions, attacks, and hostage situations of the staff and their families, otherwise known by the convicts as free people. Bloody Angola is a comprehensive no-hold-barred podcast 
It takes you on a journey through time, from its inception as a slave plantation to America's largest maximum security prison, where 80% of its population will die inside the wire. Get mentally prepared. Sit back and listen as we cover these stories in detail. In ways that you've never heard before from people that lived it, breathed it, and died with it. Bloody Angola. Warning, Bloody Angola is a podcast covering actual events and is intended for mature audiences. The subject matter discussed in no way reflects the personal opinions of the host or sponsors of this podcast. Thank you. Just want to welcome everybody back to Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Yes, and I'm Jib Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we want to welcome you today. We have a story, y'all, that, Woody, how would you describe this? For me, it's been a lifelong story. I've yeah. heard I've heard this story since I was a little boy, and it just goes back. It's, it's very powerful. It's very controversial. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's horrible yeah. and, uh, on all sides. And, but it's a story that needs to be told. And it's very personal mm-hmm. to the Overton pa- family personally. Right. right. Uh, well, and, you know, when you say the Overton family, you're correct. My, my dad's dad haven't been the judge up there, but my other, uh, my mom's dad, Started out in Angola as the first parole officer ever lived there. And y'all know me digressing. In the last show, and I said my mom was raised on Angola, but I meant they lived there for numerous years until my grandfather got accepted in LSU Law School, and then they moved to St. Francisville. Okay. So, but St. Francisville and Angola, basically the same people. Everybody knew everybody in, in, uh, they ended up all going to school together in the end. So my mama said, "Hey, you gotta make sure." He said, "All my friends know that I didn't wasn't raised my whole life on Angola, right? Yeah. On the line, but I knew all those people." She said, "I still know them." And yeah. she, today I was talking to her, and she's telling me, "Oh, but you, this person married this person." I mean, very small community. I think maybe her high school graduating class had like twenty eight people or something like that. Yeah, and, um, and I can relate to that, but the it's to this day, this story, I mean, it's 40-something plus years afterwards. Oh, at 48, 50 years afterwards, I guess, almost. Yeah. It's still very controversial and um, very hard to hear, and we're going to get into all that. It really is. And, and so, folks, if any time you wanted to borrow a term from real life, real crime, heed that warning, yeah. this would be the episode to do it. It's it's a very sensitive subject we're discussing today, and a very hard story to hear. Right, and and we warn y'all that these stories are going to get more progressive as they go. And um, 
Lauren Belichetti. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah. You know, it's it's like that slow tease, and now we're about to slam you. <laughs> for, for real, for real. So I tell you this on this story, my mama won't say her age. My mama, after all of these years, still cries every time she talks about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, uh, Woody, I guess go ahead and let's let's kind of start it off, and and well, I'll interject where I can. The as we told y'all before, most of the I can't say most, a lot of the people, free people who work in Angola are generational and they have lived there for many, many, many years, many generations. And since we dropped the first episode, Jim, and I think I told you this, we've had so much outpouring uh, um, to us from people who are basically our lifers, not lifers from a life or crime, but like when I say lifers, I mean generational they grew up on Angola and a lot of them still work there have reached out to me personally and they're like, Oh my God, you know, the stories, et cetera. Uh, um, but it's when I say generational, I mean, they were birthed at Angola. Yeah. Their, their daddy and mama worked at Angola. Their grandparents worked at Angola. Their grandparents worked at Angola and you grow up on the B line and, you don't really even know the outside world. You get busted in the St. Francisville for school now, but you, 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 you're going to grow up and be a correctional officer. Most of them, a lot yeah. of them. And in this case, we're going to talk to y'all about today. That's what exactly what happened. All right. Brent Miller. Okay. Brent Miller was a generational correctional officer. He grew up on the B line and as did, generations of his people and uh, now he had some family in Amy uh, Louisiana also but the he grew up on the beeline and my mama um, I told y'all live there to whatever age and then she went out and she became a teacher before she became a lawyer and she taught Brent and she can't remember if it was sixth or seventh grade but she taught him and uh, in school and she rem- distinctly remembers him she said of course it's easy to remember the really bad ones. Like she can, <laughs> she can call it kids names. Like the principal's like, you're not even going to get anything out of them. It's right. just some kids would show up. And then these were Angola kids. Okay. That, that she was teaching. So some of them would show up and they wouldn't even answer a question on the test. They didn't care. Right. Yeah. They were going in to be a correction officer. They didn't give a shit about school. And, but she said, Brent, she can see it right now in her mind's eye today as, as a uh, young boy, Crew cut, you know, the flat top was the thing back then. And, and, um, the said he was such a sweet boy and a good looking kid and, yeah. and, and very athletic and just, just as nice and well raised as a kid could be. You yeah. know, it, uh, like you and I would hope our kids are. That's yeah. what she said, you know, very, very respectful, very clean cut, comes from a good, hardworking family, generational correctional officers. Uh, um, and she taught him, you know? yeah. And but years later, uh, when my grandfather was a lawyer, and he had his office right there on on the main drag in St. Francisville, Mama said she stopped by to get something out. She now my Mama was in law school at the time. She said she stopped by to get something out of the attic, and Brent Miller was there. And he came up, hey, Miss Sandra, and gave her big hugs and kisses. And he said, you know, you were my favorite teacher. And, and 
you know, a lot, evidently, and that's happened at like my aunt's funeral and stuff. Grownups now naturally would come up to mom and say, Oh, you didn't teach us for long, but you made a big impact on us, right? Sure. So Brent Miller comes up, big smile. My mom was crying today. She said, Biggest smile, really good looking young man, you know, um, he was like 20 and early 20s, right? And she was like, hey, she said, what, what are you doing here? She said, I got to get something out of that. He said, you let me get that for you, Miss Andre. You don't need to get that. And so he went up and got it, a piece of furniture, and brought it down and uh, said, big smiles, helped her load it up and, and gave her big hugs. And she said, I, she said, boy, I can see it in my mind right now. Yeah. You know? He made an impression, and, and obviously a very mannerly right. uh, kid. He was raised right, right. and uh, and as Woody just mentioned, he uh, he she remembered him from when she taught him when he was younger. Now he's grown, right. uh, and Brent Miller was a athletic, That's large human being, right? Corn fed country boy, right, right. And back then, I, you know. They didn't have the steroids and the weightlifting and yeah. everything like we did now. But the um, I saw a picture. I you and I, yeah. I sent it to you. A picture of him. He was a star athlete in high school, football player, uh, a wide receiver. I mean, yeah. and and he was a stud. Yeah. Uh, um. But his high school days, everybody loved him. Everybody that knew him. Everybody. Every account I've ever read. Everybody I ever met. And I talked to about this. Uh, that's from there said he was just the best dude. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he'd go on to graduate. What does he do? Immediately goes to work in Angola. Yeah. As a correctional officer. Generational. Generational. You know, it's uh it's and folks think about it like in regular society. A lot of times you you know, uh if your mom and dad weren't an attorney, you become an attorney. Except, Unless you're Woody Everton. Except for me. <laughs> So all my right. brothers and sisters became attorneys. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, a lot of people follow in their in their family's footsteps in a lot of different fields, and right. and so no different in the in the Angola War, right? And and let's talk about that for a second because I don't, I know when I worked in corrections, I wasn't making anything, right? Yeah. Uh, but for me, for a young man, it seemed like I was making a lot. But you, you quantify it in today's money, I wasn't. But the Generational families that are raised on Angola. You had your housing on the B line. The your house was always maintained. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? <laughs> I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well. Have you tried Astapro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, 
plan my stuff. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A S T E P R O allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Pain by inmates. It was always freshly painted. Your yard was freshly cut. Your house was cleaned every day. Your three meals were cooked. You had your own personal butler, basically. Yeah. And and so that's that was nice, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, um, but that was just the way life was. You it was a part. You had your own trusty assigned there, and and I, and I asked my mom about this. The um, were you ever afraid? Because y'all, the B line is inside the wire. I mean, it's not far from death row, right? And 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 the prisoners, you got murderers working in your house, and and we'll tell some stories about that in the future. Yeah. But the I asked, were you ever afraid? She said, no. Hell, we played in the street, um, and and I remember the inmates were always around us. Yeah, no crazy, fear. Right? Yeah, it really is. And and but when you're raised in that environment, you don't know any different. You don't know any different. It's crazy. That's right. And um, so Brent goes back. Well, he goes to work in Angola, and he meets. Or actually, he knew her his, his whole life. Actually, so he was 23, and he just married a girl that he knew his whole life, and they were in love. Uh, um. They actually got married when she was 16 and 
which wasn't uncommon back then, right? They prayed together, they worked together, they whatever, whatever. And it was kind of an unspoken thing that Brent and, and she were going to get married. Yeah. And he right. had known this girl's entire life. The families were probably besties. Yeah. And- well, well, you know, you, you talk about small town America, like where I grew up, where everybody knew everybody's business. Imagine how it was on the B line when yes. it's that small. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's like you can't get any smaller. Yeah. But, and then you're, your your people are working together every day. You know, the my grandfather went to work as pro loss, my grandmother went to work as a guard in the women's part, right? So and then and when your day's off, you're doing everything together. So Brent yes. knew this family, the, the, these families knew each other. They worked together. They got married. They were very in love. She was a beautiful girl. He was a really good looking, clean cut kid. Uh um and they got married. Yeah. Yeah. In love and on yeah. the on the on the way to a, a long life together, right? And this was uh, and everything was was gravy, right? Back and, then. And, and so Brent had been working as a correction officer for a little bit, and he was very well liked by both the staff and the convicts, the inmates, and they liked him. Everybody liked him. Yeah. And, um, but it was a really hard time, y'all, at Angola. Yeah, it it really was, and it, we want to kind of hammer down this point to you to everyone that uh, it was not uncommon for you know inmates and guards to actually get along. I mean, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you're locked up together. Woody being a career officer, um, I'm sure there were there were people you arrested that you were like, wow, in regular life, I would have actually liked this guy. Not only that, if, if you treat them correctly then you still have a good rapport with them the next time you arrest them. But when I was a correction officer, hell, there were a lot of cons that were down, especially when I was on the working cell blocks for so long that I knew their stories. You know, I mean, shit, you got to pass 12 hours a night. I mean, you stand there and talk to them, and then you, you know such and such, and da 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 you've been in this place, and it helps pass the time. But you never forget that they're a convict, and yeah. they're certainly never going to uh, forget that you're a CO. Right. But it's much easier to get along. Yeah. Even though you're in your certain your respective positions, it's much easier to get along. And Brent Miller had this rapport. Yeah, with it, the inmates. Not only, not only with the inmates, but with everybody he came across. Right. I mean, your your mother. We spoke to her. She still cried right, right. over over that. And so that I'm trying to paint a, what we're trying to paint a picture of here is this guy was a special individual, and in right. that everybody he met kind of fell in love with him. Right. You know, and uh, just a awesome human being as far as a correction officer goes though he was respected mm-hmm. by the convicts which is is special for a young one it's hard to do right yeah. so if you go to search uh an inmate's box that's where they keep all their stuff and i'm talking about in the dormitories where they keep all their stuff for, the, for their bed he, if you're a young officer a lot of times the young officers will get in there and just start throwing shit out of their box whatever looking for contraband well the deal is that's their home yeah. And it's like you coming in and tearing up their shit. And then you, you, they know it has to happen, but there's two different ways you could do it. Brent was the kind of guy who would go in and do it respectfully. Hey, you know what? I got to shake you down, stand there and watch and take things out gently and looking without making a total shit show. Yeah, he's not tossing he's not underwear dick, out of right? Yeah. And you get that respect. Brent had that respect. From all accounts, he had the respect of the inmates. But didn't mean he was a bitch. That they didn't do his job. He did his yeah. job. He he hammered people when he had to, but only if he had to. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that made that made the inmates respect him. Of course, as Woody and I both said in the past, respect was everything inside of it, the bloodiest prison right. in America. Yeah, so the, t- tell them um, what was going on yes. around this time. Of, the, 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 of course, we're dealing with bloody and gold. Yes, gold. yeah, this is, uh, you know, the, the largest maximum security prison in the country, worst of the worst of air. And uh, there's a term in prison uh, known as bucking up. Yep. And bucking up is essentially where a convict will just do that, buck the system. He will, he he almost will disrespect uh, the guards. Well, many inmates prior to uh, the incident, we're going to tell you about the guards noticed they were bucking up. Not only the guards, but people. You know, administrators of of Angola were noticing the the prisoners seem to be bucking up a lot at this time. That's right. And so, let me say this because I've witnessed this. You can tell. I always say, correction officers don't run the prison. The, the inmates or the convicts run the prison. And at any time they really want to buck up, they could take it over. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. Because you're inside. You got no firearms. It, I'm talking. I'm talking about the people in towers. I'm talking about if you work on a dormitory or cell block, whatever. And most people don't have radios or whatever. The inmates run it. But there's days when you could go in. I mean, it's just like a regular day. And then there's days you could go in and you could feel a tension in the air. Like, holy shit, everybody's being a little bit more quiet or, you know, and it's, you're like, holy shit. I mean, I can feel it. Yeah. Like, oh shit, something's about to go down. Yeah, it's it's in the air, as you just said. And and as guards, one of the things that I learned and learned from Woody was uh, it's not like Shawshank Redemption, y'all. There's no nightsticks in your hands no, 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 or, no, no, or no. on your hips. And the reason for that is it can be taken from you. And used on you. And used on right. you. You didn't get to carry Freeze Plus P. The, the um, no supervisors mace. could have it or, or, or radio. The people don't get that. don't understand. When you got the, you walk through those gates, fuck, you locked down for your 12 hours. And I'm going to talk about this real quick. So correctional officers in general, I'm talking about the ones who work the towers, work, um, not the ones who work the fields because they work five days a week. Right. The, the I'm talking about the ones who work inside the prison that with the boots on the ground. They work two on, two days on, two days off, three days on, two days off, two days on, three days off. All right. So you, you got every other weekend, three-day weekend, but you're working 12-hour shifts. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Yeah. Right? Whether you're on day or night shift. Right. So Brent Miller was working the day shift on the main prison, uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. And as all this was going on, uh, these prisoners bucking up, as we just told you, they had some incidents uh, start popping off, I guess would be a good term for that things started yeah. popping off inside yeah. of angola yeah. and and they don't just it's not just a full out ride all of a second y'all it's it's it builds up yeah it's like a a bad wound or something that gets pus on it and it just goes and goes to explodes right yeah. so there were a lot of little things uh that were going on then there were some bigger things but the 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 concept of the prison not the concept the what was going on in Angola at the time, y'all. This is 1972. The you had the first ever 
Black Panther movement coming in. Yes. The only uh, chapter of the Black Panthers uh, that was ever credited as a legitimate Black Panther chapter inside of United States prison. And just to give everyone just a quick history on the Black Panthers, for those that may not be familiar, this, this was a a party, a political party was what it was marketed as that uh, basically fought against the oppression of black people. And uh, it was formed by two gentlemen. Malcolm X had been assassinated and essentially uh, these two gentlemen had had enough and they said, well, let's band together as black people. We're being oppressed and they started the Black Panther Party. It, in its existence, the Black Panther Party essentially uh, became 2,000 or so members strong in its in its height. Um, but it had a very, very strong presence politically. It was noticed uh, by many, many police organizations such as the FBI back uh, in the mi- days. They were also they were militants. Yeah, yeah. And, and they made no bones about it. No. They, it was a by any means necessary uh, type of organization. And now they believe 1,000% in, in the Constitution, and especially the part about um, every person being treated equal. But the difference is they said that black people weren't treated equally, and they were going to make sure by hook or crook that black people got the fair shake. And if they, if they had the right to bear arms to do it, then that, that's what they would do. That's right. And and uh, so it was a little bit different than like Martin Luther King's I Have right. a Dream right. and, and you know, uh, nonviolent marches. Uh, it was a little bit different than that. And the FBI took notice and, and uh, you know, at their, at their height, the FBI kind of made it a goal that, hey – we're going to shut down the the Black Panther Party, but uh, there was a point in time around 1966, 67, all the way through the early 70s where they were an extremely strong organization of black people that uh, they did some good things right. um, for for their race and and uh, we'll we'll touch on those as well. But I just wanted you to get a good history on on who they were. Because right. it plays a key part it in the story. It's a huge part of the story for over 40, 50 years. Yeah. Um, so, but that's not all the story's limited to, right? So we'll, we'll go back to it. So, again, like Jim said, the Black Panthers had the only or, organized Black Panthers in any prison in the United States of America. But y'all have also have to remember the times that the – Conditions were very harsh. This is when Angola was specifically known as Bloody Angola. People were getting stabbed every day. People were getting murdered every day. Yeah, the early six, the late sixties, early seventies, you know, were notorious at Angola for you know it's what gave Bloody Bloody Angola and its name right as the bloodiest prison in America and. Brent was living there. He was working there, right? As were his family members, et cetera. And the but the rapes, the murders, and I've even I was told the story when I was there. Um, the they had a huge shortage of correctional officers, and they always have, and probably always will. But like at the night shift, 
the the dormitories, they have just like, fuck it, the guards be going on out. So you have one guard before dormitories. And back then at night, you're supposed to have two at least. But yeah. the, um, they would say they'd be like, fuck it, I'm short. They would go on the outside and lock the door from the outside, lock the inmates inside. They could do whatever they wanted to. Yeah. Rapes, murder, strong arming, whatever that means. They didn't care. And, and the inmates were the ones who were suffering through this, right, mm-hmm. especially the weak. Yeah, and keep in mind, uh, these guards were not uh, – they had no weapons of any type. When I worked, we had a, a pager. If you if sugar turn the shit, yeah. you were going downhill, you hit your button, then everybody that had a radio, which would be your higher-ranking lieutenants and up, it, it, the call would go out to what we call the White House – and then the dispatcher would get on and say, everybody respond to rec room A at beeper activated. That yeah. means shit was going down. 71, 72, they didn't have that. They had a phone. They, they, they had a hard line phone on the desk in the dormitory. Yeah. And wrap your mind around that, people. Yeah. And you're one guard. And, and you're one guard. And amongst hundreds of inmates. Now, let's go back and break it down a little bit. Y'all, we're, we're talking about the main prison in this story. And, and the main prison has numerous sets of dormitories. Um, each set is named after a tree. Like the one we're going to be talking about today is pine. Now they had pine one, pine two, three, and four. Four dormitories, probably over 100 inmates in each dormitory, and one guard, maybe two guards if you're lucky. Yeah. To For that, all that. Yeah. With no fucking communication, no weapons, no nothing. What, what if the shit happens and you can't get to the phone? Right. And then when you get to the phone, who fuck's coming? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a tough situation to be in. It was a, it was a hard time in Angola, but someone like Brent Miller, this is just another day at the office, right? Daddy and and granddaddy, they did it. You grow up with it for so long that it just becomes a norm, right? Yes. So let's go back to April of 1972 in. Well, we talked about him bucking up. All right, so okay, let's talk. Tell them a couple of days before. Let's start at that. So I, it's even the guards knew it that that, that ship was scaling up, if you yeah. will, slowly. And over a couple of days, some things happened. That's right. First of all, uh, one of the instances that's interesting that the guards noticed uh, <laughs> pretty quick was. Bucking up can be anything from a guard telling you, uh, you know, move along, and you turn it around saying, "Who are you talking to?" You know, or something like that. That yourself. that's probably the slightest slightest form of buck bucking up. But there's other forms. One of them that is documented, and that even Woody's mom spoke of was uh, spitting on the guard tower. Right. Something they did. They would walk past and they would spit on it. Now this is intentional, right? And it's it's. Uh, it's almost a form of something's about to pop right. off around here. Right. And even on the street today, if you're street interviewing somebody and they spit on the ground in front of you, a lot of the cops don't even know that, but that's that's their sign of disrespect. So the what, what you're saying was happening in the days leading up, these tensions are building, and, and slowly they start to act out to convicts. And so – walking by guards and spitting on them. Yeah. And, I mean, holy shit, you know you can get an ass whipping. You know you're going in the hole. But yeah, maybe the, maybe the hole wasn't such a bad fucking place to be when, when, when things really popped off. That's right, especially at those times. 
in the Sunday before the Monday we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a firebomb. That's right. And uh, uh, one of the towers actually got firebombed. Now, you're probably saying, how is that possible? <laughs> you, you know, how did, how, did they, uh, how did they do that? And, and uh, you'd be amazed what you can, what you can get in prison. And, and um, matches weren't hard. They smoked back then That's right, in yeah, the smoking, prison. And, and smoking was, uh, um, was the form of commerce. Cigarettes. It was, was, it was, was money. money. Was yeah. Money. And the, but on that day, uh, what was the date? The, the uh, that would be April 16th. On April 16th, some inmates, however the hell they got it, I don't know, threw a Molotov cocktail in the guard tower and actually slightly wounded one of the guards. Now, that's bucking up, right? That's bucking up, yeah. They'll make it from any type of fruit and sugar or whatever, and they write it down. It's called Pruno. And the shit stinks so bad, but the deal is when they're making it, it'll tear you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You drink it. Like, I think Mad Dog, man, when you sober to blacked out. It's the yeah, same was, thing. But the thing is that that gas that comes off it, when you make moonshine, when you see them throw out the four shots, that yeah. shit is so highly flammable. Most people save it to like the barbecue pits and shit. With yeah. Right? So that. That certainly they didn't have access. Well, they might have had access to gasoline. I don't know what it was from, but it probably was some type of uh, homemade juice. Yeah. That they, they lit that bottle and threw it at. Okay, so here's the deal. Fucking dude in, in, in the guard tower's got a rifle. Yeah. You going to throw a firebomb at me? Shoot the kill. Shit's about to go off. Yeah. Right? What What's going on? Now, the conditions, granted, they're fucking horrible. The, the, they said inmates would go to sleep at night. With the phone books taped around their stomachs for to, to stop themselves from being stabbed, or, mm-hmm. or you know somebody came to shank them while they were sleeping, it was yeah. bad. Yeah, and so this was a it really the only way the prisoners uh, would be able to protest conditions is to buck up. That's all. Right, they, right. That's the only option they had. If if we buck up, they're going to know there's an issue, and so that is a progression, right? <laughs> Yes, indeed. I mean, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. So when they're bucking up, spitting on the guard when you walk by them, mm, I didn't get any change. You throw a fucking firebomb into the tower. I'm sure some that con- a convicts got their ass whipped and, and, and went to Red Hat or wherever it was at the time. I don't think MJ was in existence. But that was bad enough. Yeah. But you don't get the response. Who knows what's coming next? But what happens, y'all... When that happens, everybody, all of the free people learned about it immediately. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And Brent would have been off. Yes. Anytime that happens, that's a that's a major event in any prison. Uh Angola, no different. They you know, this firebomb uh occurred and everybody, all the free people at this point started talking and saying, Holy shit, something's going on here. Right. Uh that is going to get worse because they knew there was a progression to this stuff. And, and in all likelihood, it wasn't going to end with a firebomb. So what do you have to do now? Well, you have to try to number one, figure out what's going on and why they're. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details bucking up and get control of this situation because you've got six thousand inmates in this prison and uh and as woody said earlier you know and all intents and purposes if they want to control the prison they could have absolutely if they if they got united yes if they get united enough it's over right so brent would have been off that was his long weekend and newly married I think three months. Yeah. Uh, it's it two or three months. But they get up that morning, and his wife is nervous. Now, she's raised on that And she's, she told him, she said, baby, you know what happened yesterday with the firebombing? She said, I'm a little scared. And he's like, I'm all right. I'm going to be safe, right? And then, and then she took him to work. Uh, she said and later on in the interview, she couldn't remember it was 6 or 6.30. I'm telling you how it used to be for me. It was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. She takes him to work, drops him off at the gate that he had to go through, and she goes home and gets dressed, and she goes to high school. She hadn't yeah. even graduated high school yet. Yeah. Yeah. So he on to work he goes, and now, folks, uh, these guards at this point are kind of on a high alert in their heads. Right. Uh, imagine yourself in this in this situation, and you're you're surrounded by inmates. You have no weapons, uh, and you and they've been bucking up for days, right. and uh, progressively, yeah, progressively. And you know that the it's probably not the end of it. But you're Brent Miller, and you also have a great rapport with everybody, including right. the right. inmates. Right. The inmates liked this guy, absolutely correct. And that's what my mom has told me in my entire life. Uh, um. So he goes in and reports to work. He goes to Pine One, where he's assigned the dormitory. Uh, he and another correctional officer. Now, first thing they do in the morning is they feed him chow. Now, in the main prison, you have the the different dormitories I told you about. The when they went to chow, it's called chow call, right? And, and everybody is going to eat lines up the door. One of the correctional officers takes takes you down to the mess hall. And back then, they said, you know, they would go in and they said the guards would stand on the outside and, and watch and whatever. But they took him to the mess hall 
one guard would stay behind. Took him to the mess hall, and holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, they took him to the mess hall, and uh, and basically Brett, uh, at this time, just you know, he, he had a good rapport, and uh, he wanted to get some coffee and visit with a particular inmate that he was friends with. And, and or with, friendly with. The, when they took him to the mess hall for chow that morning, they got to the mess hall, and there was another buck up. 16, right. 16 inmates that worked in the kitchen said, fuck it, we're not serving breakfast. We are bucking up. We are on strike. Now, that's right. And what does that tell you? That tells you that word has spread right. throughout the prison that uh, it's time to buck up. Remember, that means protest to these. This is a form of protesting from these prisoners of conditions at right. Bloody Angola at this time. So it, it spread through this kitchen, and all 16 of the kitchen employees basically said, we ain't fucking serving breakfast today, and you can't make us do it. That's exactly right. And now, y'all, you got a real shit show. You've got all these inmates from all these different dorms. And one thing... Prison life is kind of monotonous, right? You do everything at certain times every day. You show up with the correctional officers show up, and they're like, fuck you, I'm not doing it. And they, their their complaint was they were working six days a week, 16-hour days, and they said, we want a change. Well, fuck. Now you got to take all your inmates back, lock them up on the dorm, then the powers that be respond, deal with these assholes in the kitchen, Address the situation. Whatever, address yeah. the situation. However they got it done, they got them to cook. And then once they got the line back going, the food line, then they call back to the dormitories and say, bring your inmates up to eat. Yeah. And one, the guard that was working with Brent brought the inmates up to eat. Yeah. Brent stayed behind. Brent stayed behind and uh, – and so now you've got to keep in mind he's the only guard. Yeah. He's the only guard amongst 100 inmates. Or, right, Woody? Well, yeah, yeah, but the, most of them have gone to chow. So right. that's right. But, that's right. But the in the morning times, there was an um, inmate, Ezekiel Brown, the mm-hmm. older black man. Uh, and they said he and Brent were friends. And he would stay. Uh, he would make coffee in the morning. Coffee, y'all in prison is a big thing. You, you might drink five or six cups a night. Uh, um, especially, it's big for the inmates. But this Brown, uh, yeah, so he he basically, he stayed behind, uh, and Hezekiah Brown uh, stayed. And one thing in prison, you don't have to go eat. Right, right. You don't have to, you know, they basically say line up to eat. If you don't line up to eat, you get locked out. in. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they don't, you just don't get chow that day. So Hezekiah Brown stayed back. Brent Miller was back there, and, and uh, there were some other. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. 
And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Gentlemen, uh, I would assume back there as well. Well, the from all accounts, Brent Miller sits down on one of the inmates' bunks and gets his cup of coffee with Ezekiel Brown, just talking to him, just talking to him, and then all of a sudden, four inmates run up. Surprising Brent, attack him, hold him down, stab him at least 32 times. Some accounts say as high as 39 times with a sharpened lawnmower blade. They stab him to death. To death to death and look um, let's put this into perspective real quick you just killed a guard uh, in the most heinous way possible a sharpened lawnmower blade you didn't stab him 10 times you didn't stab him 20 times you stabbed him a minimum of 30 Two times. And let me tell you this. If you are on the street and you're trying to just handcuff a guy, and Brent was a big boy, like Jim said, big, strong country boy. Athletic. Athletic and young. Yeah. If you're trying to take an average-sized guy down and he's fighting and you want to get him in handcuffs, it may take four or five guys if you don't have any freeze or, or, or whatever. I can promise you, it took all four of them to hold Brent down once he realized what was going on. And, but I think the shock of it, it's just had to be so much for him because everybody liked him. Supposedly, while he was down and being brutally stabbed. Now, this is, this came from my mama, who's always heard this her entire life. And she told you, Jim, today. This is a guy that had a great rapport with these prisoners. And so as they're stabbing him with a lawnmower blade over and over and over again, 32 times, the last words that came out out of his mouth were, why are you doing this to me? Think about that. Think about that. Why are you doing this? to me as they're just 
pound in him. Count this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 30, at least that many stabs, y'all. Minimum. And that's what's coming out of his mouth because as Woody just said, he had a rapport with these guys and never suspected, never knew what hit him, probably, yeah. right off. And so then you're confused. Yeah. You know, it's shock. 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 Being murdered in the most personal intimate way and it was never proven and we're going to tell you all the rest of the story on the next episode but it was never proven but I would almost guarantee you if I'm one of the four that are stabbing you to death each motherfucker that's stabbing with me is going to take a turn I would bet you that they all took turns that way you have you can't rat on each other yeah and there's so much so much more to this story uh, these these inmates that were involved in this eventually became known as the Angola Three. It should have been four. Should have been, and we'll tell you why in the next episode. Right, but on this one, and Jim and I talked about this for long and hard, y'all. We really we've watched every documentary, we've watched, we've read every book. We really did our homework on this one, and. This is a story I've been hearing since I was a little boy. And they, my mama today cried because it's just like it, for her it was like yesterday. We wanted to tell who Brent Miller was as a human being, what kind of person he was. Because in all these documentaries and stuff, except for maybe one, they don't do that shit. Yeah. You know, Brent Miller was a living, loving, breathing human being a son, a husband, a friend, a former student, my mom. Yeah. Um, Someone that everybody liked. A great guy. Yeah, just a great guy. An athlete. Guy. Just a, uh, he was a human being, y'all. And then what gets lost in these stories that come after is the fact that Brent Miller is a human being and Jim and I wanted to put the human face. And I promised my mama, and Jim heard it, that I was going to put the human face or we were going to put the human face on Brent Miller. Um, one last thing, the today and, and even in 90, 1990 or 91, when I, when I was there, the, um, the firing range is named after Burt Miller. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that tells you the respect, yeah. uh, that Brent had even at a, at a young age of 23, yeah. uh, throughout Angola and a generational, Guard, uh, so he was not only a, a, a just an amazing human being, but he was someone who grew up in that environment. His family grew up in that environment. He was very beloved by yeah. Angola, yeah, and and left a lasting impact on everyone. Yeah, yeah. So tune in next week because holy smokes, we're just getting started. This is a hard story, y'all. It's a hard story. My our hearts go out to this day, and what to anybody that knew him and loved him. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, and 
we hope we do it justice yeah. this this incident and and this story and it gets deeper from here so we look forward to uh to telling you even more uh facts about this case that we've been able to dig up that you may not be aware of right and appreciate y'all listening yeah if you like it please uh i want to thank y'all first episode dropped we went to number five in the world blows my mind um because of y'all and actually we're pre-recording this a little bit so the second episode we just dropped today and we don't even know where it's at yet but thank y'all please go anywhere yeah please please uh please like and you know comment subscribe do all these things on any social media network uh that you may listen to this on leave a review very important people cannot find uh a podcast on Apple Podcasts, typically, unless they know the exact name, unless you leave a review, it helps with the analytics with Apple Podcasts. So you don't have to get in, you know, if you don't want to take the time to write a paragraph or something, you don't have to just hit those five stars and underneath put great, you know, one more comment. Um, if you don't like the show, put it, you know, tell us what we can do better. We'll, we'll take that. Um, we appreciate all of y'all watching. You can get all these episodes in audio and video format, uh, conglomerate of ways. One is to go to the website, bloody There you'll find everything you need to listen to it right from that website or watch it. Uh, you can go to YouTube where we, the difference between our audio episodes and our video episodes on YouTube is that's more of an experience. And what we mean by that is not only do you get to see me and Woody kind of go into these zones as we talk about these cases and get goosebumps and all those sorts of things, but you also get to see pictures. We'll have, for example, on this episode, uh, pictures of Brent Miller up and pictures Absolutely. of, of, uh, the people that were, uh, you know, eventually accused, uh, will be on future episodes. So the last episode you dropped today, um, you, you had a picture of my dad. I did uh, as a young man. I did. Boy, he is a handsome he's one. A handsome what do you ever tell? I see where you get your looks from. Y'all, I'm gonna tell you something. <laughs> I listen to the to the podcast naturally, but holy shit, I'm totally into the YouTube thing now. I'm yeah, sorry, I got to say that. Yeah, I, I don't do it on my other podcasts, and I'm not consistently. Right, and it's something that we we try to do to bring y'all the best absolute content we can. It requires a lot more work on our end, but Jim, we don't mind. Jim does that. Uh, Vision Podcast <laughs> Studio does that, and it's fire. Go watch it. Yeah, please do. I had to tell my mom today about it because I wanted her to see the picture of dad and stuff like that. Yeah. She was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So we put a lot of time and care into that and uh, appreciate you watching it. Even if you're listening to it and you you know listen to it, then go check out the YouTube. Yeah, it, it's, all, it's a totally different experience yeah. that yeah. you'll really like. So thank all of y'all for watching. As Woody said, uh, you know, we're rising up those charts and, and uh, we love that because we know it puts attention on what we're talking about yeah, and we feel it's like it's important. It validates us. And, yeah. And you can't, I mean, it's like our baby, right? It's yes. like watching your baby graduate cum laude or something. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it is a little vanity or whatever, but I mean, do you, when you beat Katie Kirk and all the <sighs> people, Snoop Dogg, we're coming yeah, for you. Snoop Dogg, number one, we're coming for you, baby. That's but, it. Um, Drop we, it like it's hot. Uh, you, beat, you beat all these big multi 
million dollar production companies. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a self-produced podcast and, and uh, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. So, uh, you know, I'm Jim Chapman again. And I'm Woody Overton. The last thing, our sponsors, we love you. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, Couldn't I, do it without them. Couldn't do it. it. Absolutely. Wouldn't have happened without them. Mm-mm. So, y'all, please, uh, our sponsors are going to be th- throughout the show. Every one of them, we back. We uh, we listen to them or we, we've used their products. We back them a thousand percent. And thank y'all. You rock. Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And, and you listeners, you rock. You rock. Yeah, set my socks on fire every week. Ooh, what do you have? Hey, Jim and I were like, y'all, we should have made a video of ourselves the whole weekend long, you know, checking the numbers and people uh, commenting. Oh, my God, y'all's comments and, and all the different things are just, it's just so much love. Total love. We and love y'all back. Yeah, we do. We do. Love you much. And, uh, So that's it. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And we'll see you next time with another episode of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. Peace. Peace. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You running so that's for sure. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sweet. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.